Hello and welcome to Film Festival Reviews. I'm Christina Kotlar, your host. My guests are Virlana Tkach, who heads the Yara Arts Group in New York City, creating original theater productions in Yara's signature style of multilingual dialogue and songs supported by evocative visuals, music, and movement. And award-winning writer-director Amy Grappel, whose documentary, Light from the East, is about an extraordinary Ukrainian-American stage production taking place during a coup in August 1991 in Kyiv, Ukraine. Yerlana had a dream and started the Yar Arts Group in 1990 with a show about the dreams of young people, what they wanted to do in the theater. The show became A Light from the East, experimental theater interpreting excerpts from the diary of an early Ukrainian theater director, Lesh Kurbas, in Kyiv, in 1919, whose ideas challenged the repressive authority coming into power after the Russian Revolution. By giving voice to the people, his work evoked thought that would educate the masses, unite the community, and liberate the human spirit. Amy Grappel was one of those young stage players working in New York. She auditioned and was part of a very successful show. An unexpected opportunity and invitation to become the first Ukrainian-American theater production in a seminal cultural exchange was too good to pass up, and Amy eagerly went along. The troupe traveled to Kiev in August 1991, where they immersed in Ukrainian culture, lived with host families, survived the often inedible food, limited in stock and obtainability. They suddenly found themselves in the middle of political upheaval. A coup was announced. Mr. Gorbachev was missing. The following days, they witnessed a revolution, an Independence Day for Ukraine. They were told very little except to keep working. After all, the show must go on, and it did. The stage play, written by Vilana Tkach and Wanda Phipps, became the subject of Amy Krippel's film, Light from the East, a documentary following a dream that crossed decades, transcending time, for young people, two countries, United States and Ukraine, finding a common ground, a common language in the arts. Unbelievably, in 2022, Ukraine is under attack by a Russian dictator determined to destroy a sovereign nation and kill the dream of a freedom-loving people who want a better life for themselves and their children. Some dreams of young people in Kiev, Kharkiv, Mariupol are of cluster bombs and the war around them. But just as the dangers of arrest and destruction occurred in Kyiv in 1919, the dream remains stronger than death and artists' voices are always relevant. Lesh Kurbas' murder was ordered by Stalin in 1937, but his work lives on to this day. I just saw the movie again, just a little while ago. Oh. Amy, Amy Grappel and Virlana Tkach. Thank you so much for being guests on my show because this is such an important film, The Light from the East, that involves the two of you back in the day and at a time, amazing time that you were present in August of 1991 where Gorbachev went missing. And here you're, you're working on an arts project. Away. So I want to start with you, Verlana, just to explain what that was all about and how you got your troop in there in the first place. Well, it actually started, you know what? It started March 9th, but in 1990. 
Uh, we did a workshop at La Mama of a show. We called it DocuDream because it was about the dreams of young people, what they wanted to do in theater. And in 1990 in New York and 1919 in Kiev. And so it was about Lesh Korbas. We, his diaries had just been published or these excerpts from his diaries had been published. And there were some poems by Shuchenko and Pavlo Tichina. And um, we had started working on it in the fall sometime with a group of students and friends, sort of a lot of them from NYU, but then there was a bunch of from North Carolina who just, you know, just had come to New York to, to become artists in New York. And this was my first show at La Mama as Yara Arts Group. We became Yara Arts Group in the process of making it. Amy, how did you get involved? I auditioned for Verlana, and um, <laughs> she was kind enough to cast me in the show. How did you hear about it, or what made you audition for the show? Would have been something out of the ordinary for a young actor to tackle something international that way, where I see... It wasn't originally an international project. It was a very local project. It became what it became, but it started off as a small project for a group of people who had originally been in one of my previous plays, and then I said to them, oh, we couldn't find a play for all of them. And I said, oh, listen, I've been working with Ping Chung. I see how he does it. We'll make our own piece. And why don't you go home and write something about what you want to do in theater? And I'll edit it and we'll have a theater piece. And this is how it started, literally. So, I mean, but getting involved in it before you had practice or you set it up before getting connected to be able to take it to Ukraine. And Amy, you decided to bring a camera person with you because how else were you getting all this footage? Yes, I had been a theater actor in New York for about 10 years, and I was very interested in experimental theater. So I think Verlana and I met through the experimental theater community in New York. Mm-hmm. Originally, we workshopped the play at La Mama in New York. So uh, it was a really creative and collaborative process that was very enjoyable, you know, to kind of feel like a sense of community again. Because when you're auditioning in New York as an actor, you're typically a waiter. You don't really get to practice every day. And so it was really, really a wonderful process of of rehearsing and getting to know our fellow castmates. There were some great people in the original cast. Jessica Hecht was in the original cast who went on to be kind of a big movie actor, Sean Eden. And, you know, after we opened at La Mama, Verlana reached out to us and, and said, you know, I think I have this opportunity to bring you guys to do this seminal cultural exchange. Do you want to go and do the play? And uh, I jumped at the chance. I had just enrolled in NYU to study film. So I thought, what an opportunity. (laughs) It was my first film. So honestly, I was a little in over my head. But after the coup happened and everything, yeah, Berlano was kind enough to let me bring my boyfriend at the time, who was a cinematographer and a camera. And we just took a chance. We had no idea what what was in store for us. 
Yeah, it was definitely that kind of a thing. Everything seemed to open up. Doors opened up. Remember, like, we wound up with a free ticket for him. We had somebody else in the cast with his last name, and they couldn't come. And suddenly, Amy said to me, oh, let's, like, take him, and we'll make a movie. And I said, okay. You know, that was kind of, I mean, it was each step was not planned at all. You know, sometimes where you're on a path, things just kind of open up. It seemed like everything was constantly opening up to lead us somewhere. So it was this kind of journey of discovery more than anything else. I I mean, I had never been to Ukraine. We did the show at La Mama, as Amy said. In the spring, we did a workshop. In the fall, we had a full production. We got some great reviews. And somebody came from Ukraine, said he, Pruskurnia, and he brought me an invitation to come to Ukraine with the project. Well, I had never been to Ukraine. I, I said, wait a minute, I'm going to go check it out first. <laughs> you know. And I went that December and it was this incredibly dark time in the Soviet Union. It was right, you know, when Shevardnadze was saying there was going to be a coup and they were shooting people in Lithuania. And it was like, it was really kind of mind blowing. And Soviet Union looked so different from anything else I had ever experienced. And I was ready to leave next day. You know, I had had it. And then we went to Kharkiv and this very old actor uh, who was the last of the core boss actors because the film and the project was about a group of young people in New York and a group of young people in Kiev who formed this great theater. And he was part of the theater in in its later days in Kharkiv, and he was alive. They brought me to meet him because I think they were afraid I'd run away. <laughs> and I got into this totally talking to him. And he, he took me to this building uh, that was called the Slava building, which is where the artists lived in the, from 29 to 33. And he said, over there, see, Korbaz, the guy who the theater director of the show was about, there, he's making a theater play. And over there, Tichina's writing poetry. And over there, Khrilovay will be shooting himself, which is what he did in 33 when he realized all his friends were going to be arrested. And at that moment, this whole other kind of Ukraine opened up for me. This time that we had been talking about in our piece about times opening up and sort of seeing things for the first time. And I came back like a totally changed person. I was totally into doing this. It was What I was saying, it was like a path opened up and every step you took just led you to the next one. I don't know how we raised the money. How did we get the visas? How did we get the tickets? It was all just kind of happened around us. And then I went ahead with four people at Shona and a stage manager and Adrian Ivacu, who's subbing in for Roman to do the music, to do workshops and because the first trip I realized in Ukraine is like, people don't speak English. How can you do a show about Kurbas? People speak English in Ukraine, but then nobody did. Yeah. And I thought, okay, we're going to do a co-production and we'll find the young people because the people they were suggesting to us are these very serious actors who are in their 50s and 60s who would have looked terrible with you know a bunch of 20-year-olds from America next to them playing their colleagues, you know, that's unrealistic. What we did is we did workshops in Kiev and in Rio and in Kharkiv. And that is when we really put the piece together, kind of realizing, okay, 
if Amy plays Valentina Chistyakova, then he can play in English so that somebody on stage would always be speaking Ukrainian so that the local people could understand. I I think that was just wonderful integration. And Amy, you were just so involved and you're shocked. You had this culture shock going, as others did too. I love the fact that that was really expressed so well. What were you thinking? I didn't think we were going to make it. I mean, I thought my life could be over. We had no concept of what it meant to be in the middle of a coup, uh, let alone Soviet tanks rolling into Kiev. You know, we've seen these things on television as Americans, but very rarely do we experience them firsthand. I think that the Ukrainians were probably more frightened than we were because they knew what was at stake. We really didn't. It it wasn't really real for a lot of us, I think, in the beginning. But I was pretty terrified, I think, that we all were. Verlana was really calm. I don't know if that was something that she was able to contain us, you know, because she was in charge. She was like, let's just keep working. Let's keep working. And so it was interesting because the play all of a sudden became much more internal for us because we were playing these characters that were making art in the face of the revolution that ushered in communism. And here we were performing their words and embodying them during the revolution that ushered it out, well, we'll see. It did usher it out for the world. So when I say we'll see, it's just the events of the day are kind of reminiscent of back then. And um, and it's really terrifying. I fell in love with those people. And we felt like our performance, in, in a sense, mirrored history and the history of that country and its struggle. And then we got to witness them getting their national independence, a certain amount of freedom. And so I feel very attached to them holding on to that. I learned so much about Lesh Kurpas. There were a couple of moments where he says that he wanted to educate the masses, unite the community, and liberate the human spirit. <laughs> and how, how does that resonate right now? We're seeing the dream is stronger than the fear of death. I mean, I'm quoting this from the film because it made me cry. The work that you put into this, and Vilana, I know, I know what you mean. It would probably be like a camp counselor. You have to uh, herd the the cats. The cats. (laughs) Just so much to do. I didn't have time to think about. There were two things that were said to me early on during the coup at that morning that really made me feel that we just had to plow on as opposed to defend ourselves. And one was from the council, the American council. There was no embassy at that point in Ukraine. I mean, there was just somebody who was a counselor office. And he said to me, just don't go to the airport. You'll be okay if you don't go to the airport. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I thought, hmm, that sounded like good advice. Kind of deal. Don't go to the airport. And then the other thing was Stefan, who was in the play. And when I called him to say that, well, we had to go to the airport because Peter was sick and we had to get him out. So the fact that only one person went with him, that was like from this conversation, actually. 
And I then called Stefan, who had been sort of playing Peter, Peter's other half. And I called him and I said, Stefan, you can say no to me. And I saw he was like pale white when he came in. I said, because I'm going to ask you a big ask. And he said, he said, what, what do you want? I said, can you play Peter's part? I mean, in Ukraine, of course, but all of it, because Peter's sick and he's had to go to the airport today. And he said, and, and I said, that's it. And he said, oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say my father was arrested. Oh, and then, and then he said to me, I said, no, who's your father? Because <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. And he was from Kharkiv and he was head of the opposition in Kharkiv. And he said, and this, he told me that at that moment. And he said, well, if they didn't arrest them, they don't know what they're doing. And it just made me feel like, okay, don't go to the airport. They don't know what they're doing, but just keep doing what you're doing. That was, that was about the only guidance I ever got around then, you know, because there was nobody else talked. Nobody else knew anything. That is incredible times. I did go to Ukraine in 1970. Mm. My mother organized a tour group. What she wanted to do is go visit her mother's grave. Mm. And they said no. They did not allow it. They said absolutely mm. not. And at that time, there was only one hotel in tourist. Oh, my God, it was so bad. I mean, it, you were talking about some of your actors mm. saying the food is terrible. They had class in the streets, and to keep it cold, they would have a frog in there to keep the temperature cold for this drink. Oh. They would. <laughs> I mean, I saw that with my own eyes. We had to sneak out and pretend that we were sick because we had a guide who watched us at all times, and the other people in the group covered us, and we had to sneak out, and the person who drove us to the village, to my grandmother's grave, put his life on the line for driving mm -hmm. us there mm -hmm. and back. So those were scary times. Telling people this, you're right, Amy, they don't understand it. America, so this was such an, a fascinating American point of view, but you have a, a Ukrainian grandfather. I do, yeah. Actually, my grandparents immigrated, I think in the 40s, to uh, Flatbush, Brooklyn from Ukraine. We're Jewish, so... For whatever reason, they never wanted me to know my history. They just, you know, Eastern Europe was really all I knew. But I did, after spending time with Natalia's mother, who was so much like my grandmother, boiling tongue in the kitchen. And we did an ancestry, a family tree, and we realized that my grandfather was from Ukraine. Yeah, so it's in my blood. It was just interesting that this project unveiled my cultural identity to me more so. And it means a lot. I know, congratulations, recently you had a film that was in the film festivals, Kinderland, and you had a premiere in New York, Dogfest. Congratulations mm -hmm. on that. This film is, I think, is really important on two fronts, especially just from what you're both saying, the opportunity you had felt like it just came right into your lap and things went the way they did. And fortunately, everybody came out, well, it's an incredible film. Premiered at South by Southwest. I think that's where we met at, at a screening at one of the festivals. And I said, I have to have this. 
I really think everyone should see this film. So what do you want to have happen with this movie? I would, well, I would love for a commercial broadcaster like an Amazon Prime or an HBO or an MTV documentary to license it and air it um, so that everyone gets the opportunity to see it. Right now, I'm working on educational distribution, so I'm hoping it will be available on Canopy, which is an educational documentary film website that you can access the film through your library. So all you need is your library card number, and you will be able to access it. It should be available on Canopy come April. I'm hoping that we will reach a wider audience through some kind of commercial distribution, also have an epilogue to the film. I returned to Ukraine to Kiev in 2007 and revisited all the characters. The face of it was very different. The westernization of the place really is dramatic. And so that will also be included. It's a 12-minute coda, but I revisit many of the characters to see how the democratic system has shifted things if they feel like it's brought them more freedom. And um, I'm able to visually capture the shift in Kiev Square from having the Lenin statue to, to having the McDonald's and the mall. You know, there are a lot of things that didn't feel that great, but it's pretty dramatic. Also, women were very covered up and there was no expression of sexuality on the street. And I felt like the women were barely wearing clothes when I came back in 2007. <laughs> And I got to revisit with Natalia, which was great. And we're in touch now as well as she goes through this war. Um, Is she still in Kiev? She's still there with her mom. Her mom's 93. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And we're in touch with a lot of the people there. And we've continued working with a lot of the people there. Mikola, he was in Kiev, and uh, Stefan was until recently in Kharkiv, and he was the head of the Shochenko Theater where we performed in Kharkiv. He was the artistic director now. They were planning the 100 years celebration of their theater on March 30th. And so we were all talking because I was supposed to be there next week, or this week actually. On the, I was going to leave on the 7th and be in Kharkiv by the 10th. You know, we were all talking about what we're going to do, et cetera. Natalia's there. We're, we're working on the Corbas book, of course. You know, and, But I'm also amazed how many people from that group became really leading people in Ukrainian theater and sort of re kind of configuring it from a Soviet sort of state theater or really kind of reimagining it and becoming really important figures in both in Franco Alexi, it became the big star at the Franco Theater where we performed. And Bereshko was a star in, in Kharkiv in his own right. And of course, Mariana was, became a big folk singer all over the place. And, and then the Americans have done amazing things. Shona Tucker teaches in Vassar and, and has traveled the world with she came back to do another show with me about Ira Aldrich in Ukraine, which was really amazing. Oh, you have quite a bit more. We need to have an entire show <laughs> talking about your shows because I've seen some really amazing ones. And, and I've been to several of um, Mariana's workshops. 
mm. of her singing. It was incredible how she was able in two hours get the whole circle singing a song that people are, are not Ukrainian singing phonetically and it just sounds so beautiful. So that is something that I'm always listening for as well. And I really enjoy that, that mix of the play itself with the real life. We'll have to find some way to get this thing up for people to see because you captured the spirit in the show. You captured it in the movie. It's just liberating the human spirit. And also this film, people think about the good old times of the Soviet Union and by today, people have forgotten what that was like. They only remember their childhood memories or and anybody who is who's now 30 or 40 even doesn't remember the Soviet Union. I mean, this has been sort of the big revelation for whenever we've shown the show in Ukraine in colleges. People are like, no, it couldn't have been like that. <laughs> it was. And it was. Because because that's not what they hear, you know. That's not what the grandmas remember either, because all they're thinking about was when they were young and they had a good time as opposed to what it was really like. And here, it was already perestroika. Things were getting easier, and yet things were so difficult. I like the question that was posed at the time is, are you happy? And, and many people were saying, yeah, we're freedom. We could say whatever we want, but there are no goods. There's no work involved, and they could still take you away in the night. Those are things that we take for granted. However, you spoke to me, and I know the history. So I know this film and your work on stage with the stories will speak to so many people. As Bilana, you said, talk about it, tell the story. Amy, keep making movies. Bilana, keep interpreting these wonderful bits that I never knew. And I love learning about this. And it just, the spirit is there. And the arts arts are healing. That's the only thing I can say. Uh, Thank you, Christina. Please look for Light from the East, Canopy, through your library, canopy.com, in April. And I hope you'll be able to see it there. Film Kinderland. I'm not sure where you're going to be able to see it yet, honestly. It's a documentary about two rival progressive Jewish summer camps in upstate New York. That one was communist, the other one was socialist. They've been around for about 100 years. And they were at war with each other across the same lake. And they are still kind of at war with each other. (laughs) But the movie looks at the divisiveness of our times and how these the left and further left are trying to come together to make change. Um, the young people are very inspiring, as well as the elders. You can look it up on our Facebook page, which is the Kinderland Documentary. And hopefully it will also be available soon for public viewing. Quadranglefilm.com. That film was on HBO, and it's also a short documentary about the alternative family I grew up in. It's The movie's available on The Atlantic, their website, The Atlantic Magazine. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Ilana. I had many plans, and things 
happened last week. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I believe that culture is a dialogue with the past and to the future. And this is why I believe in dreams, why I believe in looking at painful moments and trying to find the light in these things. We will continue to do what we are doing. We have a website, Yara Arts Group, one word, dot net. And we hope we will put together this major musical, a jazz musical based on a score from 1929 from this theater, the Brazil Theater in Kharkiv that we were working on. Also do a, a new piece based on Forest Song with our youngest uh, cast members and continue standing up for Ukraine, but also for truth and justice throughout the land, as we like to think and like to say. Because if one of us is unfree or a slave, then all of us are unfree and slaves. Freedom is only possible when everyone can claim to be free. On that note, I hope we could do this again. And I will have a glass of wine to toast to you both in that time. <laughs> Good luck so much with your projects because I look forward to hearing about them and we'll talk again. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. The final scene in A Light from the East, we see the theater troupe in a circle holding onto one another. Ilana says in Ukrainian, we all learned something about ourselves, about each other during the time we worked with each other. I want to remind us to give this art to someone else so that this circle becomes much bigger, much richer. So the next time we stand in a circle and embrace, we'll embrace the whole city. Finally, a quote from Lesh Korbas's diary, 1921. Art is where the unity of humanity is manifest, where our true selves converse with one another. So be it. Thanks for listening.